0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're a covenant church located in western Wisconsin, and you can find out more information about us at BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker, I'm the pastor here, and I want to thank you for listening. So today, uh, as we, we talked about with the kids, um, you know, we, we talked about the, the love candle, and... Uh, Over Advent, we've been talking about uh, that that same thing that we say in the introduction that Advent means coming. I mean, something is coming. Uh, God is on his way. Um, And so, just like no matter what we do every week, whether you write your Christmas cards or not, Christmas shows up anyway, Um, we've been talking about a, a love that is on the way. Um, and not only did it come a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, but that same uh, God promised to return and set right uh, the world. Uh, and so today we're, we're looking at uh, what happens when the waiting is over in the Christmas story and, and love arrives. Um, and so um, as, as we look through our, our classic Peanuts Christmas right here, right out of the Gospel of Luke, um, you'll notice um, that the Christmas story in Luke is, is all about a, um, a conflict. A, a conflict plays out uh, in this story and, and really throughout the gospel. It's about a conflict between uh, two uh, kinds of power. Uh, two kinds of power that, um, one, we tend to recognize as power, and, and another that we don't really see as very powerful at all. But, but the Christmas story in Luke especially, it, it highlights um, these two kinds of power. Um, one um, one kind of power is control or authority. Uh, the Gospel of Luke is, is about the power of authority on one side and then um, uh, the power of love poured out. And when authority and power and strength uh, come into conflict with love, most of us, myself included, would think that authority and power and strength and might will overwhelm and, and destroy love every time. We probably can think of a million stories of that happening. But uh, the Gospel of Luke argues our Bible tells us a different story. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to look into that, this question. What is the difference between... A, a, Love and authority or control. And so uh, Christmas story is all about that. Who, who's going to win? So uh, And Patrick, I'm skipping down a little bit. I've got that next slide up there. It's got our, our, our friends here. A battle between love and control. And we're just going to walk through uh, Luke 2 um, together. And so you've, you've heard this before. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Who has control? Caesar, right? He snaps his fingers. A census should be taken. And what happens in verse 3? In verse uh, everyone went to their own town to register. Caesar has control. He has all the authority and the power to make people move. Caesar says, we need a census. Caesar says, go uh, to your hometown. And everyone goes to their hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, to Galilee in Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Control, power, Caesar has that. Um, And while Caesar has control, we see he snaps his fingers and everyone moves. Joseph and Mary have no control, right? Caesar says, go, Joseph and Mary go, and they grab their donkey, you know, or whatever, and they uh, they walk to town. Uh, Joseph and Mary are the complete opposite of Caesar in Luke 2. While he has all the power, they have have none of it. Uh, So Joseph and Mary, right, they they travel down. Um, Mary gives birth in a cave because they are are powerless. They have no control. Joseph and Mary um, do have one thing. Uh, that we'll talk about. That uh, they have. They have the love, right? They have a love um, bigger uh, than the box we we sometimes put it in. As you read this story, uh, you you see uh, a little picture of of what love looks like. So if, if Caesar has control to make you go, Mary and Joseph have to go wherever they want, uh, wherever Caesar uh, wants. They do have something else, and that's a love that's hard to describe. And and I think the way sometimes we look at love in just a purely like romantic lovey-dovey way. Is, is just a shadow of, of what's going on. I, I think Mary and, and Joseph in this story, um, they have um, the kind of love that's hard to describe, but um, easy to know if you've ever experienced it. Um, they have the kind of love that isn't spoken about so much as it's acted on. And we know, because we know the story, right? Uh, Joseph had the love to hold on to Mary, even though it made him look bad. Uh, Even though it made other people think that he was doing the wrong thing, Joseph had the love uh, to stick with her. Uh, Not uh, not the love to send Christmas cards, Christmas cards are lovely, but the love to to pay a price for someone else, right? Mary uh, Mary had a love that's not just felt um, too. Mary had the kind of love that's lived out uh, with her whole being. Um, And that love, if you've experienced before, that love that kind of comes with carrying a child or caring for someone or sacrificing for someone or or pouring into the life of a child. If you've ever um, taken a a kid under your wing, if you've ever uh, carried a child, if you've ever uh, held a, a child, you know what that love looks like. It's the kind of love that says, I've got to do all these things and it's going to cost me. But it, it's worth it, right? No matter how exhausted you are, and sometimes you're, you're quite exhausted as, as a parent or as a big brother or sister, as an aunt or uncle investing in someone, you're exhausted, but you have a love that keeps you going in that relationship. That's the kind of love uh, that, that Mary had. The kind of love that can transform uh, struggle and pain and frustration and exhaustion, into joy. Um, the kind of love that um, when it's pointed out, when people say, I can't believe you did that for someone, um, this is the kind of love that says, well, what else could I do? You know, the kind of love that says, I can't believe you sat in the hospital with your dad all those days in a row, and, and you say, what else What else would I, would I do? Anyone else would do the same. It's the kind of love that says, of course." I sat by them for hours even though I wasn't sure if they could hear me. Or of course I cut my mom's grass or fix my son's deck or always have a little lunch and cookies waiting for anyone who comes by. It's that kind of love that seems obvious that we take for granted. Of course I let my daughter come home no matter what. She's our daughter, he's my son. Well, of course I'm here. They're my kid. Anyone else would have done the same. That's the kind of love that we see in Mary and Joseph, the kind of love that we we write off as small and insignificant, but that has this transformative power. Well, when Mary and Joseph arrive um, in Joseph's hometown, they have no control, uh, but they have love. We see a little bit in that next slide in Luke 2.6. It says, while they were there, uh, Caesar snaps their fingers. The powerless go while they were there, it came time for the baby to be born. Um, they make this birth story seem really easy. Uh, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him, for them. So Mary, uh, this love story, right? It continues. Mary gives birth to that boy. And she wraps him in cloths. I don't know what Joseph was up to, but um, she wraps him in cloths. She sets up the bed (laughs) because there was no place for them. Uh, And while Joseph and Mary and their little boy now um, had no control, they had love. I think it's really interesting that um, in the Christmas story, we have this moment where God's son comes into the world. God, who made the universe, becomes flesh, And the first actions that God himself takes on on earth in flesh is to um, be cared for by someone in love. The God that made flesh and dwelled among us um, uh, was first loved and cared for by Mary, a regular woman, and Joseph, a regular man. And they loved God himself in action, just like any parent loves a baby, Before um, the baby Jesus was capable of doing anything for them, um, Mary and Joseph cared for him. I think that's profound. They acted out in, in that manger, that same love that God has for us, before we can do anything to turn towards him. It's like a little picture. It's like a reverse mirror of the way God loves us, because before we could do anything right, before we could make any good or bad decisions, God loved and died for us in that same way. Uh, they acted out that love. And so you can see these two powers. What's going to win? This power, this control. We, we, uh, we transfer over to somebody else, the, the shepherds. Uh, they're keeping watch in the fields nearby. Yep, Luke 2, 8. It says that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. <laughs> But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger." Uh, so our, our shepherds out in the field watching over their sheep. Um, a little bit we know about shepherds, that most likely these were were hired men. Um, these were people paid uh, to keep track of the sheep overnight on someone else's behalf. Um, in the world that Jesus was born into, shepherds were, were the bottom of kind of the economic ladder. Um, people tried to keep them even from coming into town because they were viewed as untrustworthy and maybe a little dangerous and you know, if you're sleeping out with sheep all the time, I presumably you don't smell so good either. Um, <clears throat> and so we have these shepherds. They also have no control, right? Just like any hired worker. They're paid by somebody else to do a job. They have to do it the way they want to. People look at them with mistrust. But, but God, he loved these shepherds enough to tell them the good news first. He, he loved them enough to tell them that the world was changing and that the world was changing not because an emperor snapped his fingers. Uh, it wasn't because someone with power exerted a little bit more control, but because a savior was born in love. And then our, our story continues, right? Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host And this, uh, like, heavenly army, that's what it is, like, it's a military image. A great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, right, a display of God's power, and what does God use his power to do? Um, Well, um, this is it. They say, glory to God in the highest heaven, on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then the angels left the shepherds, and they went back into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, they looked at each other, and they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Um, This is really interesting to me because the heavenly host, right, they represent God's power, God's uh, uh, strength, his army, and they show up in front of these shepherds and with all of their, you know, supernatural beauty and strength and power, far more powerful than Caesar, um, and they don't um, give the shepherds any orders, they don't give them any instructions. They don't say, we are, are from God, go and do as we say. No, instead they say, here is the good news, and then they leave. God doesn't even control them. He doesn't even control the shepherds. He doesn't say, hey, shepherds, you better go and tell everybody about this. This is why I'm telling you. No, he just says, here's the good news, have a great night. And God can do that, the angels do that, because, um, because they don't have to tell them to tell others, right? Because they've received a gift of love, knowing that God is coming to change the world, and they can't help but investigate. It's the difference between control that says, you go and behave this way and do this thing on my behalf, and love that says, I am doing something beautiful, come and see. They couldn't help but investigate. They couldn't help but go and see this great love and share the news of great joy with everyone they encountered. They go and visit that cave, and it says in Luke 2.16, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Nobody said, "Um, now you better make sure you tell people about this. They They didn't have to they had seen something amazing, and they had to share. And it continues in 18, it says, and as the these shepherds told people, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were dust as they had been told. God didn't have to Uh, show his heavenly host and hold a sword pointed at the shepherds to get them to go where he wanted. Not like Caesar, not like Caesar who said, you must go, the shepherds go out of love. The battle is between love and control. And that battle between love and control continues throughout the Gospel of Luke, all the Gospels. It would continue as that baby, that helpless baby Jesus grew up and, and Jesus, when he grew up, he ran into people uh, as he was caring for and healing and helping people. Jesus ran into plenty of people who thought they needed to use a little bit more control to um, make the world a better place. Uh, Jesus ran into Pharisees and princes and revolutionaries and, and men just, just like Caesar who were busy using their power to control other people for good reasons and bad reasons. But in the middle of it, if you read Luke, you read the Gospels, you know this, in the middle of all of those powerful people trying to control and move others around, in the middle of that, even though Jesus had the power of that heavenly army, even though Jesus had the power uh, to transform the world, to stop storms and heal the sick, even though Jesus had all the power of being God himself on earth, He refuses to use that power to control other people. Instead, he chooses to love. In the middle of it, even though he had all of that power, he chooses to love the powerless in a world that was busy trying to control them. And so as you read Luke, you see this. There's the forces of control who are doing their best to shape the world, to make the world, to make people something else. And they couldn't handle Jesus because he would come in and disrupt Um, with his love. And finally, as you know the story of Luke, finally it got so bad, people got so frustrated with Jesus' love uh, that the people who had the power to control, they captured him and they hung him on a tree. And even though uh, Jesus had all the power of those heavenly armies and all the power to change water into wine and transform the world completely, even though he had the power of God of the universe in flesh on earth, Jesus allowed himself to be hung on a cross and killed. And for a moment, at the end of Luke, at the end of our Gospels, when Jesus hangs on that cross and dies and gets laid in a tomb, for a moment it seemed an awful lot like, in the battle between love and control, that control had finally won again, as it has over and over and over again throughout History. For a moment, it seemed like the guys with the swords or the horses or uh, the weapons that they make the rules, that control beat love again. But of course, three days later, love rolled a stone away from a tomb, love walked out of a tomb, and love triumphed even over the ultimate weapon in the arsenal of control the power of to kill. Love defeated even death. Love won. I don't know about you, but I know for me, especially when I'm not careful and I care about somebody, um, my bent, and I think maybe the human bent, is to try and um, move towards control instead of love in our relationships with others. If I could just get them to think differently... You know, if I could just get them to stop acting like that, their life would be so much better. If I could just fix this person's life, you know, maybe we see a a problem in someone else or we have our own fears, our own hurts, and and if you're like me, so often we turn towards control to fix it. With my kids, you know, it's like how can I get them, church, how, how can I get them to stop leaving their socks all over the house? How can I get Axel? Anything that is full of little toys? How can I get him to not pull that drawer out and just dump it on the floor? <laughs> how can I get them to wear nice church clothes just one time a week <laughs> on Sunday mornings? Our instinct, my instinct sometimes, is, is control. When I'm worried about someone, I think, how can I fix them? How can I change them? How can I convince them of what I know is true? And often at the very end of that, I think, how can I love them? The same is true in our communities. How can I fix the problems of my school or my neighborhood, this town, this church? Uh, We see the same thing played out on a large scale in the world. We stress and worry. How can I fix this, uh, this problem? How can I stop that person from thinking or behaving this way, believing this way, voting this way? And last, after we've tried everything else to fix the people in our lives, maybe we say, How can I love them if I can't change them? And even though it's for the right reasons, even though sometimes we think if we can get a better grip on someone else, we can help them or make them better or change the world for the better, I have to tell you, because I have to tell myself over and over and over again, because I forget all the time that if you believe um, the Christmas story, if you believe um, what Luke tells us about Jesus, if you believe the Gospels, if you believe this book, um, You're willing to believe that the God of the universe with all the power, all the control, all the ability to make anybody do whatever he wanted to, all the ability to fix each bad idea in every human brain, that God came down to the earth and lived and loved and died and rose instead of snapping his fingers and making people who they ought to be. I got to tell you that if you believe what we read in Luke, that God thinks differently, that God thinks control actually isn't the way to help people, that control actually isn't the way to change the world, but in fact, the God of the universe with all the cards and all the power decided that love was actually the solution to the problem. Because when he had all the power, he chose love instead. When he could have made a warrior uh, conquer the earth, he sent himself vulnerable and full of love. When he had the power to depose a king, he arrived as an infant. And when he had the power to overthrow an empire, Jesus hung on a cross. We are invited to embrace Jesus's way, God's way, uh, and the way of love, to lay down our control and our strength as powerful and as beautiful as it seems, as hopeful as it can make us feel, and instead take up love for God, for others and for the people that really worry us. God used all of his power not to control, but to love. And I can tell you, um, over my years here, I've tasted a bit of your love. Not just in kind words, but in deeds. You are a church that loves people well. With cards and meals and gifts, with hospitality, listening, and flexibility, with uh, plowing driveways, putting up fences, fixing cars. You're a church that's loved us and our kids, and you love our kids, and you love our kids, and that's really the main thing. (laughs) When I've been here, I've got to watch you love each other. I've witnessed you love newcomers that come through this door. I've seen you live out love for this community and I've watched God's love in you grow and spread, showing the people of this time and this place that there is far more power in love than there is in control. We are invited by our Savior who came as a baby and let a regular old ordinary human woman wrap him in claws and lay him in a manger. We're invited by the Savior that hung on a cross and died and the Savior that walked out of a tomb to lay down our desires for control, to put our faith and our hope in the one that loved us, and to be made new in the resurrection. We're invited to accept the love and life of grace offered by Jesus and be made new by it. Not because we have to, not because someone insisted that we do it, but because like the shepherds, we want to. Just like uh, when you love someone, you care for them, not because you have to. So we're invited to turn away from everything else, all of our other ways of controlling ourselves and others in this world, and lay it down and grab grab on to Jesus, to confess our failures, our sins, to accept his death and resurrection on our behalf, and we're invited to be made new. Starting a new life uh, today defined not by a desire to control others, ourselves, or the world, but instead defined by the kind of love that God has for us, the love that he invites us to share with others, and the love that extends past any goodbye, even the goodbye of death. Would you pray with me? Lord, today, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, we are reminded by the way that you chose love for this world. And we ask, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you guide us in laying down our desires of control, that you guide us in turning uh, from any other way of following you or being saved besides putting our full hope and faith in your Son who came and lived and died and rose again. We say, Lord, we're sorry for all of those other things, their consequences, and we put ourselves, our faith fully in your Son, Jesus. We ask, Lord, that you make us new, that you give us a new resurrection life. You fill us up with your Holy Spirit of love and lead and guide us to love and care for the people that you put in our path uh, in this day and in this time. We thank you for what you did in Christmas. We thank you that love arrives and that your love wins. In your name we pray, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to join us in worship Sundays at 10 a.m., both in person or online at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great day.